0: Well hello, I'd like to welcome everyone, join us all around the world on the internet. I want to welcome those of you that are Scottsdale camps as well as Santan. Uh, My name is Scott Williams and I bring you greetings from the great state of Oklahoma, the city of Oklahoma City, home of the 2015 NBA champions. It wasn't a joke, it wasn't a joke, but. uh, I didn't think they would go over too well here, but seriously, we are uh, hopefully going to win the whole thing. We're still trying to get a playoff seed right now, but once KD gets back, it will be on and popping. Translation, it will be great. So it is uh, just to tell you guys a little bit about myself against Scott Williams from Oklahoma City I served on staff at a church called lifechurch.tv at Oklahoma City for about five years I know you guys have had both Chris and Scott i worked alongside those guys for a number of years and I was a pastor there and then about four years ago We left and started this consulting company called next level solutions And God has blessed us in a short amount of time to be able to work with uh, clients literally all around the world So we work with uh, churches nonprofits and even fortune 100 corporations everywhere from, you know, Nigeria to New Zealand Zealand to Hawaii, LA, just all over. So it's lots of fun and it's, it's pretty cool. It allows me the opportunity to go and to travel to great places like Phoenix, but uh, I didn't get to notice that it got cold in Phoenix. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I want my money back. You know what I'm saying? Like I, <laughs> What in the world is going on? I've only been here in the summer, but it's great to be here. And one thing about, again, traveling is I go all around, all over the place. I'm always in airports. Here's the deal. Like, I get the whole airport security stuff, but sometimes I can do without it. Sometimes it's just like, it's just too much. But anyway, I do that. But then one thing about traveling is you meet all sorts of people. Like, I read... I meet some really, really awesome people, and I meet some really, really, like, not-so-awesome people. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm meeting all these people, and one thing about flight is, like, it never fails. Like, when you're in the flight and you're sitting next to someone, it's always, like, anywhere from five minutes to 25 minutes into the conversation, they always ask, what do you do for a living? And I'm telling you, once I tell my I'm a pastor, it's like they start stuffing liquor bottles in the back of the sea. They start trying to hide their Fifty Shades of Grey book. I mean, it's all these different things, like trying to cover it up with the Sky magazine. So anyway, I got to do that. But uh and one time I was on the way to Detroit, and I sit by this guy who looked like Uncle Si from Duck Dynasty. And so I'm sitting by Uncle Si. I'm flying to Detroit. And about five minutes in, Uncle Si leans over to me and says, guess what? One of my best friends is black. Just for the record, that is not like a term of endearment, you know what I'm saying? Like, he might as well said, well, my best friend is black. You know what? I even own a pair of black boots. In my house, we watch a colored TV. Oh, so anyway, that's, you don't have to let a black person know that you know another black person, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to free you of that from 2015 and on, you ain't got to say that anymore. So. Um, It's all good. So again, I'm always at different places. I'm always traveling. So it's lots of fun. Again, lots of, lots of great people. And I'm really glad you guys are here this weekend because one thing about like the Sunday before like 2015 starts, like it's like the best Sunday ever. Like the people that aren't here today, like I don't know what's going to happen to their 2015, but like your 2015 is going to be awesome. You know what I'm saying? So um, you guys are excited. You guys are excited for yourself. Don't care about anybody else. get them. Um, but anyway, so like we're going to, um, one thing my family likes to do at the beginning of every year, we like to, we do the Daniel fast. So for the first 21 days of the year, we fast, we'll do X amount of days water only, then we'll do Daniel for the remainder of the year. And so I, I figured it'd be very fitting today that as we go into this mess, we begin 2015, we look at someone who really exemplifies what it means to pray and to fast and have a great 2015. So we're going to look at the life of Daniel. So I really think it'll be something in my prayers, it'll be something that God really just speaks to you. And so before we dive into God's word, let's go ahead and go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Let's pray. God, speak to our hearts. Amen. Oh, you I thought it was going to be some long-winded prayer. No. Just for the record, God listens to short prayers as well. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Real quick, by a show of hands at all of our locations and right here, how many of you guys have like a friend or a family member, someone that likes to pray really long prayers? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, keep them up. If you're not raising your hand, you are that family member or friend. I'm just saying like, and and it's like, they always want to pray like the long prayers before the meal. You know what I'm saying? And why do they always want to just bless the hands that prepared the meal? Start blessing the whole body. You know what I'm saying? Like bless the hands that, they don't do that in your family. (laughs) Scratch that joke from the next time I... I do this message. And so, no, but uh, again, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to share with you guys today. I told you earlier from Oklahoma City, just a, a couple of other things about me. I think I told you, have, we have two boys. My wife, her name is Lakindria. She's white. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> Not that I fooled you anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like la, Anytime it's la or sha or da or ma or if I would have said her name was Sally, you might have wondered, you know what I'm saying? And so... We have two boys, they're awesome and they play sports, they love Jesus. My wife's awesome, she's hot. She's like the hot fudge on my Sunday. She's the hot sauce and maple syrup on my chicken and waffles. Think think I might wanna go to Lolo's after service today. I'm just saying. So anyway, let's, uh, enough about me and all that. Let's go ahead, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, go ahead and open them up to Daniel 6. Again, if you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up. If you have a smartphone, go ahead and open up to Daniel 6. Even if you have a dumb phone, you can open it up to Daniel 6. A dumb phone would be everything other than an iPhone. Sorry, Android users. Scottsdale, open up your iPhones. I'm just... You guys have to forgive me. I'm kind of sometimes. I don't know what's going to come out next. So, uh, Lord, forgive me in advance for anything that I might say that might um, not honor you. So, anyway, uh, let's go ahead. The title of today's message is The Power of Prayer. The power. Of prayer. I'm gonna go ahead and set the time that we're looking at in Scripture. It's a time when Daniel had served faithfully um, for over 70 years. I mean, some of you guys think you've been like serving a long time at your job. You're ready for retirement. Let's try 70, seven zero years faithfully and demonstrated great leadership. And as a result of it, he continues to get promoted by the satraps, which are the province rulers of the time. And so you're tracking with me. He's serving faithfully. He continues to get elevated and promoted. And and how many of you guys know what happens when you begin to get elevated and promoted? starts to come out the haters that's exactly right so I like to say it this way as you reach new levels you're gonna get new devils let me rewind and say that again as you reach new levels you're gonna get new devils I don't care whatever it is you could be in high school maybe you're on the cheerleading maybe you're on the varsity squad maybe you get a promotion at a job maybe your boss starts to have you do this or that maybe you're the head usher now in church whatever it is as you reach new levels new devils are gonna start to come out and so that's what was happening with Daniel and so these haters, they knew that Daniel's a very faithful man of God. They knew that he was a man of prayer. And they're thinking, what can we do to get this guy caught up? And they, they started to plot and plan and think, you know what, what can we do? You know, so they, they got together and said, hey, let's go to King Darius. Let's say, King Darius, anyone that's caught praying to anyone other than you, we should get them thrown in the lion's den. And King Darius thought about it. And he looked at it from more of a political position, like, okay, I guess if everybody's praying to me, we'll be on the same page, some more unity. And he didn't look at it from a spiritual context. And so he said, okay, let, we'll go ahead and do it. We'll go ahead and write it in the law. And about that time, we'll go ahead and pick up in Scripture, if you're uh, Daniel 6, uh, verse 10 and 11. Here's what the Bible says. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. The Bible says, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. You see, you have prayer, and then you have prayer like Daniel prayed. And the one thing that we're gonna learn today from Daniel's life about prayer is this. Prayer has to become your steering wheel and not just your spare tire. Because what happens when we have flats in this thing we call life, oh no, we need to get the spare tire out and pray to God. But it has to be the thing that's guiding every single thing that we do. So prayer has to be your steering wheel and not your spare tire. And if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write this first thing down. It's this, prayers are powerful when they are humble. Prayers are powerful when they are humble. Let's go back to verse 10 real quick. Here's what the Bible says. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. The Bible says he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. In other words, he found himself in this very humble position of worship praying. And that's what we have to do. Think about it. We schedule an appointment and time for everything, but oftentimes we don't schedule a time to pray to God. Daniel found a time and he found a place and that's what we have to learn to do. But he also found himself in this place of humility and worship. And that's what we have to do because here's the deal. God says this in the Bible. He He says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll do what? He'll lift you up. So you have to humble yourselves before the Lord. And a lot of times we don't do that. And if I could just get real humble and and open and honest with you guys today, um, just let you know, I haven't always been a pastor. I haven't always been in ministry. I haven't always had the blessing and opportunity to be able to go around the world and share the gospel. As a matter of fact, I spent a large number of my adult years in the prison system. Twelve years, eight days, and six hours to be exact. Eight by ten cell. Pinned up anger, razor wire, bad food, prison. I was a warden in the prison system, you guys can breathe. Man, if you see the looks on some of your faces, I got people logging off online, people are leaving Scottsdale and Santan campus. I mean, seriously, like at that moment, there was two types of people here. There were those of you who were like, hallelujah, praise the Lord, God redeemed this young man. And there was another group of us like, what's Pastor Lynn doing with a convict in the pulpit? You know what I'm saying? Like, You ain't gotta say which group you were in, but um, uh, true story, at the age of 25, I was one of the youngest prison wardens in the country. And I didn't know at that time that God was going to use my time as a prison warden to prepare me for ministry. And I remember I became a prison warden. I was what they called a new school warden because basically every single day I'd go and I'd walk through the units, which are the the housing areas where the inmates live, the cell area. And so I'd walk through the units every single day just to get my finger and pulse on what was happening. I want to talk to the inmates. I want to interact with them. And like the other warden that was there before me, I walked through the unit more time in one week than he did the five or six years that he was there. And so I'd walk through the units every single day. And one thing about the prison system is that you have all different religions that are represented. And so you might have the the Muslims praying to Allah, the Buddhists praying to Buddha, and you'd have some Christians praying to Jesus. And every single day I'd walk through one particular unit, there was this inmate, his name was Johnson. And every time I walked through, I'd see Johnson on his knees praying to Jesus. And here's the thing, he found himself in this very humble position of worship every single day that I'd walk through. And here's what you need to know about prison is that, like, it's not cool to be all humble because prison's about being macho and machismo and rough and tough. But every single day, Johnson would find himself in this very humble position of worship. And so that's the two things that we can learn about Johnson's life and also about Daniel's life is they understood the importance of being humble and, and how powerful prayers can be when they're humble. And that's what we have to do. We have to understand that. Because here's the deal, there's so many people that we hear from from my church and from your church and and people that we look up to in the media and people that we respect and we hear stories about them falling and falling from grace. And I can guarantee you this, those pastors, those leaders, those people that we know, just people that are friends of ours or whatever that, that, that we see and we hear stories of them falling, I can guarantee you this, those that are falling are not find themselves on their knees in this very humble position of worship praying to Jesus. Because here's the thing, if you're, if you're on your knees and you're praying, even if you fall, you're not going to fall very far. And that's what we got to understand. So, you got to be lowered. So, what, what God is telling us, you have to be lowered before you can be lifted. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Because prayers are powerful when they are humble. Second thing, if you're taking notes, you're going to write this one down is this. Is prayers are powerful when they are specific. Prayers are powerful when they are specific. You know, I told you about uh, the haters that were gonna come out and try to catch Daniel up. They wanted to get him caught up in King Darius, so they went and they had it signed in the law that anyone that was found praying said anyone other than King Darius would be thrown in the lion's den. And here's the deal. they knew it was gonna be easy to catch Daniel because they knew what he did. They knew he prayed to God every day. They knew he prayed to God multiple times a day. So what did they do? They plotted, they prepared, they go, okay, they go. Next thing you know, man, they're taking pictures. They put videos up on Instagram and they go back to King Darius. And they're like, look, look, we, we, we caught your boy, Daniel. Look what he's doing. And so he's like, what, what am I supposed to do? No, you're supposed to have him thrown in the lion's den. And he's thinking, you know, I can't do that. It's the great man of God. He served very faithfully. Why would I have him thrown in the lion's den? But he also knew that, that as a leader, sometimes we make decisions and we have to honor the decisions that we make. And so that was the decision that he made. And so he said, okay, we'll have him thrown in the lion's den. So they go get Daniel and they bring him back and and get him ready to get thrown in the lion's den. And if you look in your Bible, if you read the text, here's what the Bible says that King Darius said to Daniel. I want you to think about this as a very specific prayer. The last words he said to him before he had him thrown in the lion's den. He goes up to him, he looks at him, he says, Daniel, he says, may your God, whom you continually serve, deliver you. Threw him in a lion's den. They covered lions den with a rock. And I'll just be real honest with you guys. I don't know much about lion's dens. I've never been in one. You know what I'm saying? Like, as a matter of fact, the only thing I know about lions is what I've seen at the zoo or what I've read or like what I've seen on like a, one of those National Geographic episodes. You know what I'm saying? Like, real curious. That Oliver came by show of hands. How many of you guys have seen one of those National Geographic episodes with the lion by show of hands? Okay. If you haven't seen it, let me go ahead and set it up for you because it's like the same thing every single time. There's always like a lion. He's like crouching down like, rah, rah there's always a lion. He's like just sitting there ready to devour. And there's always like like a pack of antelope. And so, the lion's over here like, and there's always like these antelope. They're over here just kind of anteloping, you know what I'm saying? They're just anteloping around and they're doing their thing and the lion's over there. And then there's always like the one antelope that wanders off from the bunch. And he's like, oh, butterfly. Butterfly and then, the lion's like and then like the music gets really intense and next thing you know man the lion jumps on the antelope you see fur flying, you see blood it's crazy, it's going and next thing you know the antelope is dead and here's the thing I could preach an entirely different sermon just on that and the importance of you staying and being in a growth group and being in a small group because if you don't stay in community you're going to end up dead. That's right. And so, so, so like they're the lion. And so, they're doing it. They throw Daniel in the lion's den. And then King Darius, he goes home that night and he agonizes over his decision. Why did I do this? Man, what's going to happen? And next thing you know, the, the next day he comes to, to open up the lion's den. He had him remove the rock, obviously expecting for Daniel to be mauled, right? And then so, they go and they, they, go and they, they pull the rock off. And as soon as they pull the rock up, Daniel pokes his head out like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, so they're like, look, like, what in the world? And so, and here's what the Bible says. Here's what Daniel said to King Darius. Uh, you jump down to verse uh, 21, still Daniel 6. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Here's the thing. We have to read between the lines here. I mean, what do we think Daniel prayed? Let me tell you what Daniel prayed. I pray, God, that you would send your angel into this lion's den, that they would make sure that this lion's mouth stays shut the entire time. They would make sure that I would not be harmed, and I'd be able to step out of this lion's den, poke my head out, be like, what's up? And everybody understands the power of prayer. Very, very specific prayers. You have to pray specific prayers. I mean, think about it, we know this. We know that like cats are all evil, right? And like lions are like king of the jungle evil. And so like this was a really rough situation. But Daniel's telling him, man, your, your angel came in here and made sure the lion's mouth was shut. And the Bible tells us, man, like you do not have because you do not ask God. I mean, I think about it in my life, there's so many times when I've prayed specific prayers. I remember one time in, in Oklahoma City, we had these things that are called tornadoes. I mean, I know you guys may have heard of, like, hurricanes and, like, earthquakes. Like, tornadoes are, like, serious business. Like, you might wake up and, like, your house is in, like, a whole nother town. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's crazy. And, like, one time a tornado was coming. So, like, we pay attention to the meteorologists and, like, we want to know what's going on. And so, I remember there was a, there was a tornado coming from El Reno, in a bad storm. El Reno is about 30 miles from where we lived. And they were telling us on the news that it was softball-sized hell. First of all, that should be illegal. You know what I'm saying? Like softball-sized hell. And so anyway, so softball hell, size hell is coming. At the time, our boys were probably six years old and 10 years old. And so, as the storm started to approach and get closer to us, um, we, we basically, we gathered our boys together and we put football helmets on them. And... The, why y'all laughing? I'm just saying like, uh, so we put football helmets on. We got blankets and we got like into the interior bathroom and then we put like a mattress over the top of us. It was like a ghetto storm shelter. You know what I'm saying? And so, so anyway, so we got down and I remember just grabbing hands with my family and just praying. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that, that nothing happens to our home, that you keep my family safe, that we have no damage, that we have no injuries and that this storm just blows by. And we prayed and it was probably five, ten minutes later, the storm comes through our neighborhood and we just hear hell just boom, boom, up against our roof. And then power went off. And I remember the next morning, once the daylight came out, like there was power lines all down in our neighborhood. Our trampoline was in our neighbor's yard, like three or four houses down. It was just crazy. And for the next month, you would see the different uh, roofing companies would be in our neighborhood and they would come repairing. And I, so I just kind of finally called our our insurance agent, told him what's going on. He's like, Scott, some of you that are in the insurance business, you might know what I'm talking about. He's like, Scott, here's the deal. Once, you know, with a storm this bad, we kind of know that like a neighborhood is like a total loss. He said, but we'll get somebody out there so they can go ahead and get the process started. And so about a week later, the guy comes out and, and he starts to have a conversation with me about, hey, you know, we're going to go. And he starts telling me like, oh, here's the deal, man. We've already done several uh, houses in your neighborhood. He said, we're going to hook you up, impact resistant, lifetime warranty. And how many of you guys know when you hear the word hook, and up in a sentence together, it's always a good thing. You know what I'm saying, like, no matter what it is. And so like, I remember, so he goes up on the roof and he's doing his thing and he's looking around and about 15 minutes later, he's on his cell phone and he comes down, he's like, he's like, Mr. Williams, he said, I've been doing this for eight years and I've never seen anything like it. I'm thinking like, seriously, is it that bad? He's like, no, there's, there's no damage to your roof. I was like, seriously? Since then I've learned to say more spiritual things like hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I pray specific prayers like. But that's the thing. Prayers are powerful when they're specific. Don't just pray, oh God, just kind of help me with this pornography addiction. No, God, I pray that I never click on another inappropriate image for as long as I live. Oh, just kind of help me with this addiction. No, God, I pray that I would stay far away from the dope man's house, that I would never look at another prescription drug bottle, that I would never come close to using any sort of drugs or substance that I'm not supposed to use. Very, very, oh, just I want to get in shape in 2015. No, God, I pray that I start to eat healthy, that I begin to exercise, that I begin to honor my body, honor you. Oh. Oh, help me to be a better husband. No, I pray that I treat my, my sons and my daughters and my children like I'm supposed to be treated. I step. I be the man of the house that you've called me be, and I treat my wife like the princess that she is. Very, very specific <clears throat> prayers. Prayers are powerful when they're specific. Third thing, if you're taking notes, you can write this one down. Is this? Is prayers are powerful when they're persistent. Prayers are powerful when they're persistent. Speaking of persistence, let's just go back to look at verse 10 and 11 again. That's one thing I love about the Bible. Like, I mean, we could seriously preach an entire message on verse 10 and 11 for the next month just on the things that you don't see. I mean, that's why it's the living, breathing word of God. Let's look at verse 10 and 11 again. Here's what the Bible says. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. It says he got down on his knees, how many times a day? Come on, we can do better than that all of our camps. How many times a day? Three times. Three times a day and prayed, th- and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. In other words, he did it three times a day as he had done previously. In other words, it's something he had did over and over and over and over again. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. You see, a lot of us pray and nothing happens, and so we're kind of done. But if we look at Daniel's life, he prayed over and over and over and over and over and over again. And see, prayers are powerful when they're persistent. As a matter of fact, at all of our campuses and right here, I want everybody to hold up one finger. One finger. Now hold your hand up. I want everybody to participate. Now I want you to take that finger and tap the hand like this, in rhythm together. There we go. Now two fingers. Now three fingers. All right, four. All right, five. All right, stop. You see what happens when you pray over and over and over and over again? It begins to get louder and louder and louder and louder. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So as you pray over and over and over again, it gets louder. It's more persistent. You begin to hear. You begin to believe it. The people around you begin to feel it. Your family members begin to see it. That's what happens when you pray over and over and over and over again. Some of you have a son or daughter that's run from the Lord and you're like, you've prayed and you're not, they're not coming back. You have to keep praying over and over and over again. Maybe it's a, it's a spouse that you've been trying to get to come to church and you're like, there's no way they're going to come to church. You have to keep praying over and over and over and over again. I just met a lady last service that said she'd been praying for 30 years for her husband to come to church. He finally came to church. He gave his life to the Lord. But she said, I prayed over and over and over and over again. You know, whatever it is, you got to keep praying. Some of you couples have been trying to get pregnant, some of you month after month, and many of you year after year, and yet no baby. And the doctors are saying, there's no way. You can't listen to that. You have to keep praying over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I told you about that inmate Johnson, and every time I'd go through and I'd see Johnson praying, and I begin to hear a little bit more about Johnson's story, and Johnson said, here's the deal, Warden. He says, I'm not even supposed to be in this prison. He said, I was wrongfully convicted. And here's the thing. You have to be a little careful with, with people in prison saying they were wrongfully convicted. There's a lot of people that are, quote, unquote, wrongfully convicted. But there was something about Johnson that was just believable. He said, no, Warden. He said, I, I, I was wrongfully convicted. That's why I pray over and over and over again. I just pray that my good name is going to be restored. And at this time, Johnson had already done over six calendar years in the prison system. And with all of his, his good time and good behavior and the amount of time he had already served, he was set to get out within the next year, year and a half. And so a lot of the other inmates would come up and be like, Johnson, like, why do you keep praying over and over again? You're going to get out of here. Like, they're like, you know how to do this time, dog. Like, why are you praying? Just do your time and get out of here. He's like, no, I'm going to keep praying because I want my good name to be restored. I mean, and just like Daniel, neither one of them allowed their outward circumstances affect their inward assurance that God was going to show up. And that's the same thing for you. Don't let your situation right now because it looks rough and you can't see any light at the end of the tunnel and because everybody else is saying, why are you doing that? You got to keep praying over and over and over and over again. You have to be persistent because prayers are powerful when they're persistent. If you're taking notes, you go ahead and write this fourth one down. Last one is this. It's prayers are powerful when they're expectant. I'm going to help you to remember these four things so you remember them for the rest of your life. Uh, Basically, it's an acronym, HSPE, or high school PE. High school PE. For some of you guys that'll bring up some bad memories, for others of you, you'll just remember this. Humble, specific, persistent, and expectant. Expectant. In other words, you have to expect it, because here's the deal. Prayer is the key to heaven, but it's faith that unlocks the door. In other words, you have to expect that that expectancy is what unlocks the door. Because here's the deal, many of you are praying prayers, and you're not even expecting God to show up. You don't believe it. You're just kind of going through the motions. And here's the thing, why do you think God is going to show up if you don't believe that He's going to show up? And I don't want you to feel bad because that's where you're at. That's where so many of us find ourselves oftentimes. We're not expecting God to really show up. We're just sending that prayer out for that family member that has cancer because that's what we're supposed to do. We're not expecting him to perform a miracle and they'd be delivered by next week. But when you do, something amazing happens. I mean, and this has been going on for a long time. Even if you look in the the book of Luke, I love the story of Jesus and his disciples. And they're, they're, they're in the boat and Jesus tells them this day, he says, I need to go to the other side. And so they're, they're in the boat, He says, "I need to go to the other side." So they're traveling on the boat, and Jesus falls asleep. Jesus is taking a nap. And when Jesus falls asleep and the boat's going, next thing you know, the storms and the winds start raging up against the edge of the boat. Track with me. Now Jesus sleep, the storms are raging, His disciples are in the boat. and they go and they get, they get scared. Because here's what I like to say about fear. Fear is the prison where potential is confined. You can't be scared, but the disciples were scared. And they go and they shake him. and like, Jesus, you got to wake up. We're going to die. And Jesus teaches us a very important lesson about prayers and about faith at that moment. Here's what he does. First thing he does is he wakes up and he looks at the storms and he says, cease, be still. And then he looks at his disciples. He looks at his sons and his daughters and his sons and his daughters and all the cornerstone campus. He says, why do you have such little faith? Here's the deal. Jesus is in the boat with you. If you will just expect him to show up, he's gonna tell the storms in your life that are raging right now, cease be still but you have to expect it and you have to believe that he's going to show up and some of you are saying, pastor scott you don't understand how dark my situation is you know I, i've been divorced i feel like i'm running around with a big d on my forehead you don't understand how crazy my financial situation is right now god shines his brightest lights in your darkest places And that's what you need to understand, you need to expect it. And that's what that inmate Johnson did. Every time I would walk through the units, he was praying as though he was expecting God to do something. He was expecting a breakthrough to happen. He was expecting God to show up on his behalf. And I remember one day I walked into the units. And I can see Johnson out the corner of my eye, kind of sitting on the edge of his bed. And I'm talking to one of, the, one of the guards and a few of the other inmates in their cell unit. And I'm having a conversation with them. And it was no sooner than I could finish the conversation. Johnson runs up to me. And he said, Warden. I'm like, What's up, Johnson? He said, I got my papers. I'm like, what are you talking about, John? He said, I got my papers. He said, my case has been overturned. He said, my good name is gonna be restored. He said, I'm getting out this joint. He said, I got my papers. He said, I prayed over and over and over and over again for six and a half years that my good name would be restored. He says, I got my papers. I wasn't listening to what the haters were saying. I got my papers. And here's what you need to know. God sent me thousands of miles to come here today to tell you exactly that is that he's got your papers. I don't care what your situation is, what you're facing right now, God's got your papers. Maybe it's an addiction. God's got your papers. Maybe it's relationships that need to be restored. God's got your papers. Maybe your marriage is hanging on by a thread. God's got your papers. Maybe your son or daughter is with someone that is not God's best for them. God's got your papers. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's cancer in your body. Maybe it's a miracle that needs to be performed right now. Whatever your situation is, you need to know is that God's got your papers. I don't care what you're facing today. We serve a God who truly has our papers, you just have to be willing to come to Him humbly. Ask Him very specifically. You have to be persistent over and over and over and over again, and most importantly, You have to expect that God's going to show up. And when you do those things, my friends, I can guarantee you this 2015 and beyond is going to be something very, very special. Because we serve a God that truly has our papers. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you're a God that that has our papers. God, I pray right now for every single person that's under the sound of my voice, God right now that you begin to, something is rising up inside of them right now, God. That something is stirring inside of them right now, God. That their faith is beginning to increase right now, God. God, I pray right now for the chains of addiction to be broken right now, God. I pray right now for revival to happen on college campuses right now, God. I pray right now for students to be light in really dark places in their schools right now, God. I pray for marriages that are being restored right now, God. I pray for new relationships, God. I pray for new friendships, God. I pray for a new sense of yearning and leaning in to who you are. I pray for people that are on fire for your word, God. I pray for the people that are, that are bright lights in dark places, God. I pray for Cornerstone Church, God. May you continue to grow. May you continue to increase. I pray that 2015 is going to be something very, very special. That, that people begin to step into their destiny, God. That you can t- d- continue to do more than they could ask, think, or imagine, God. God, we love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. God bless you guys.